Welcome back to Historical Context. Today we continue our series on the colonies during the English Commonwealth. And today we go to New Netherland. So New Netherland, not English obviously today, and it's been over four months since we've covered New Netherland. But today we return and look at the colony during the Commonwealth. Peter Stuyvesant was the director of the colony and Adrian von Donk, a rival of Stuyvesant's, had just been elected president of the board of nine. So there was sort of a council there and uh, basically a rival of Stuyvesant's had been named head of that council. And Van Donk would not waste any time taking action. On July 26, 1649, 11 current and former members of the Board of Nine would sign the petition of the commonality of New Netherland. The petition would be sent back to the States General, that's Holland itself. It called for economic freedom, a local government structure similar to that of the Netherlands, and removing the colony from the control of the Dutch West India Company. Van Donk would travel to the Netherlands that fall to press the States General to act, and he so he would be there to press them in person. In his presentation, he talks about the poor condition of the colony, the poor relations with the natives, and that taxes were too high. They felt a reduction of taxation would allow trade to grow, and that the colonies should be allowed to establish a school and an orphanage. The company did respond, and that is the Dutch West India Company, by arguing that they had transported people and livestock and supplies to the colony at their own expense, along with the funding of building of forts. The States General would act on the economic requests first by allowing freer trade in the spring of 1650. They also approved the enacting of a municipal government. In the fall of 1650, Director Stuyvesant traveled to Connecticut to successfully negotiate the border between New Netherland and Connecticut. And we talked about that in our Connecticut episode several weeks ago. The border that was negotiated between Stuyvesant and Connecticut. So it really has largely remained unchanged in the last 370 years. While New Netherland was struggling to get back on its feet from a tumultuous 1640, so was New Sweden. The colony was poorly supplied and having many of the same issues as New Netherland. The governor there was Johan Prince. New Netherland's built Fort Casimir four miles away from New Sweden's Fort Christina in 1651 increasing the tensions between the two colonies. At one point, Stuyvesant sends an armed patrol to cruise the Delaware River, and a month later, he personally leads an armed patrol up and down the river. Stuyvesant and Prince would end up meeting at Fort Nassau, where Stuyvesant presses that the only territory belonging to New Sweden is Fort Christina itself. In May of 1652, the town of New Amsterdam chose Cornelius van Tynhoven as its first mayor. In July, England declares war on the Netherlands. So now New Netherland 
is technically at war with the English colonies around it. But there are also intense issues with New Sweden. In the summer of 1653, grumblings begin within New Sweden. So now inside the colony, they're having issues there, which led to a complaint being lodged against Governor Prince by several settlers. Prince responds by executing one of the settlers, a man by the name of Anders Johnson. This did not help Prince's popularity, and in November, the Dutch West India Company reversed its policy and began to allow Swedes into the colony. This not only made it easier for the opposition to leave New Sweden, as a Dutch fort was four miles away, but it made the colony an option, an option for Swedes abroad. Eventually, Prince himself would take New Netherland up on this offer by abandoning the colony and leaving for Sweden via New Amsterdam. So he would sail up to New Netherland, go into New Amsterdam, and sail out to Sweden. Johann Prince, gone. He left his son-in-law, Johann Pepagoa, in charge. While Prince is considered by history to be the tyrant of New Sweden, he would later become a governor in a province of Sweden itself. So clearly it didn't hurt his reputation at the time. Papagoa was not going to take the new policy lightly with New Netherland. And he hired natives to hunt down Swede defectors and bring them back by force if necessary. In one case, the defectors resisted and two were killed, their heads being returned to Pepagoa. In the spring of 1654, the newly appointed governor of New Sweden, Johann Rising, arrives. He brings 250 people with him, which are met by only 70 remaining colonists. One of Rising's first acts as governor is to lead an expedition to capture Fort Casimir from the Dutch. I'm sure that's going to go over well. He does this, so he captures that fort, and Stuyvesant, before addressing this issue, leaves for Barbados to discuss trade relations. And during that trip, he is detained by an English fleet. Stuyvesant is eventually released, but the Dutch back home are angry with him because they asked him to deal with New Sweden. This seems to be the only instance that New Netherland is involved in this war with England. In fact, it's at the very end of that war. Ironically, the captain of the English fleet that detained Stuyvesant was William Penn, the father of the William Penn you're thinking of. Stuyvesant eventually returned to New Netherland, but instead of dealing with New Sweden, he shifts his attention to a refugee problem. Several months earlier, a boat arrived from Brazil with 23 Jewish refugees aboard. Stuyvesant did not want them there. And history kind of says that Stuyvesant was anti-Semitic, and he may have been, but in his argument, he argues that these people were poor and they would be a burden on the colony. So it could have been for socioeconomic 
reasons. And the reason 23 Jewish people were coming from Brazil in the 1650s is because the Dutch had controlled part of Brazil and there were estimated to be around 5,000 Jewish people living there. And they were living there with permission of the Dutch. The Portuguese had now taken the area over and many of the Jewish population fled for fear of a return to the Inquisition. The state's general was sympathetic to the Jewish cause and denied Stuyvesant's expulsion request. Finally, in late August, Stuyvesant leads a force to retake Fort Casimir. The Swedes there were outnumbered and ill-equipped. The commander not only surrendered, but he shot one of his own men, one of his harshest soldiers, in the leg to avoid starting a massacre. Five days later, Fort Christina is surrounded. The Swedes once again were ill-equipped and decided to surrender as the Dutch were destroying their countryside homes. This would mark the end of New Sweden. The Jewish settlers would subsequently ask Stuyvesant if he would allow them to settle the region formerly known as New Sweden. And Stuyvesant said no. While Stuyvesant was still in the Delaware Bay, 600 natives from six different tribes attack Manhattan. They didn't kill anyone, but they burned down numerous farms. New Amsterdam negotiated their withdrawal, but the natives shot one man on their way out of town. On Staten Island, natives attacked, burned farms, and killed approximately 50 people. Approximately 70 people were taken hostage, and Stuyvesant had to pay a ransom for their release. This event would become known as the Peachtree War. In early 1656, the colony authorized the Jewish colonists to have their own cemetery, but at the same time they denied their request to allow them to build a synagogue. In the same year, Stuyvesant would fire the mayor of New Amsterdam, Cornelius van Tynhoven, over the whole Peachtree War. Van Tynhoven would mysteriously vanish later that year, and his hat and cane would be fished out of the Hudson River. In August 1657, Quakers began arriving at New Netherland after their expulsion from Boston. In the New Netherland correspondence at that time, nothing is mentioned about the Quakers, but we know they weren't welcome. In fact, on December 29, 1657, a petition signed by 30 colonists is delivered to the director. These colonists state that they refused to ban the Quakers from their meetings. The signers were arrested but soon released. Five Quakers had come to the area and they were banished. The petition would become known as the Flushing Remonstrance. The Quakers end up in Rhode Island. Stuyvesant would continue to advocate punishment against Quakers and those who harbor them. The colony of New Sweden would become New Amstel and would be occupied by other Dutch colonists. 
But by 1659, New Amstel would face the same issue that Johann Prince and the Swedes faced as their colonists were leaving for Maryland or Virginia. Stuyvesant appoints Augustine Herman to lead a delegation to meet with Maryland's colonial leadership. But the conditions in New Amstel would continue to deteriorate with their mayor dying in late 1659 and there were accounts of animals fleeing and dying. The next decade would bring about the end of Dutch control in America. And we will get to that in our next series. But next week, we wrap up our English Commonwealth American Colonies series by telling you the rest of the story regarding the English Commonwealth. We go to London. Remember several weeks ago, back in late June, we did an episode on the English Commonwealth Part 1. Part 2 of that episode next time on Historical Context. <laughs>